0: Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith, because our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make him known is our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast that's air on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three, Dr. Smith, has a continuing word from the series entitled, The Tension Between Humanness and Holiness. In today's sermon, he talks about how to deal with talking snakes. Follow along with us in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And let's listen as Dr. Smith explains.
1: Okay, so we're going to pick up where we stopped off last week. We established that there's such a thing as talking snakes. And the original talking snake was in heaven and he found his way to the garden after he was kicked out. But he didn't go alone. He took friends with him. Hundreds, thousands of friends. And so I wanted to admonish all of you who are fond of rebuking the devil. I just want you to know he doesn't travel alone. And so um, you'll be better off saying the Lord rebuke you because the Lord can handle it. You cannot. So, okay, so let's, let's paint the picture. God created a perfect world and everything was in harmony. There was no pollution. There was no global warming, no wildfires, no floods, no hurricanes, no tornadoes and no COVID-19. That was a great day. And so here we are, after God created this incredible uh, universe, then, okay, you're to give me, looks like we have a technical difficulty, so we're gonna shut this one off. We're gonna turn this one on. We're gonna see, ah, that's better, okay. Get out of here. Let's all banish the talking snake from in here because he's obviously trying to mess this up, okay? okay. So then, after God created this perfect universe, he created two perfect people, and he put them in the garden, and he gave them the task of managing his world. God gave these perfect people everything they could have wanted, and then God gave them the extra blessing of living in fellowship with him. But then God created an order with rules and boundaries. And his intent was that the man and his wife would obey those rules and they would find real joy and peace in God's world. But I'm going to have to admit to you, almost none of us like rules. None of us want to obey the rules. You don't obey the 70-mile-an-hour speed limit. Raise your hand if you do. Okay, but you're in church. Shame the devil. (laughs) And we are tempted to violate a sign. You walk in the restroom and it says wet paint. You just have to touch it. But, 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 but this is perplexing to me. You know how when you study Scripture and you try to figure out the mind of God? Scripture even says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. But I struggle with that because my question is this. Why would God create something good to eat and then give us specific instructions not to eat it? but at the same time give us an appetite so we would want it. So he gave us an appetite to want what he created that he told us not to eat. Why in the world would God create handsome men and beautiful women and say, you can look at each other but you can't get together until you put a ring on it. Why would God make bluebell ice cream <laughs> and expect that we're going to just do one scoop? Why would God create baby back ribs and pork chops and then tell Israel they couldn't even touch them? What's the answer? The answer is that God is God. And his focus is not on our happiness. His focus is on his glory. He wants to put these things in front of us so that we will get to the place that we will find our total satisfaction in Him. Because the thing that we hunger for the most is the thing we tend to worship. I mean, how about, how about a new ride? You just love the smell of a new car? You, you love the fact that all the tires are good, and so you don't have to worry about, you know, what neighborhood you go in. You just love the fact that you have this, but if you're not careful, you'll be worshiping on Sunday morning at the car wash. There's There's a passage that I want to read for you, Isaiah 43, and it speaks to the mind of God when he when he did this creating, because if we, don't, if we don't focus on what it is that God is doing, we miss completely our place in it. So, Isaiah 43, verse 7. I want you to turn with me there uh, because it's an important passage, and I don't want us to blow past it. Isaiah 43, verse 7. He says, everyone who is called by my name, and whom I have created for my glory, for whom I have formed, even whom I have made. In other words, you were created for one reason, and that is to give God glory. God created all of these incredible things that we enjoy but are not necessarily good for us, but he gave us the ability to choose, but he wants us to choose him do you know how good it is how the feeling when you know that someone has chosen you when someone has put their selecting love on you and the faithfulness of marriage says i find my satisfaction in you that's what god wants but the challenge is our appetites are all over the place. John Piper said the weakness of our hunger for God is not because he is unsavory, but it's because we keep ourselves stuffed with other things. We don't want God because we have already chosen somebody or something else. Paul said, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. You want to know the measure of your Christianity? What you throw in the trash. If you are hanging on to the vestiges of your old life, God wants us to be filled to overflowing with him so that the desire for other things goes away. Satan is just the opposite. He wants us to be filled with other things so there is no room for God. And I'm going to tell you, that's why, you know, we can only get a third of the people. You know, did you see the football games? Do do you see the clubs? Do you see all these places where, you know, the world is going and hanging out? Because we are full of other stuff. Do you realize how many of you make a midnight creep to the refrigerator? Because when you get hungry you go find that which fills and satisfies. But because you had a milkshake and two cookies and all of that before you went to bed, you never, ever get out of the bed. This week, we're going to focus on how to deal with talking snakes. But I want to start out with this fact. Talking snakes cannot make you do anything. Talking snakes cannot make you go anywhere or do anything, but they can cause your eyes to nibble. Somebody in here ought to say amen. But once we nibble with our eyes, then the nibble leads to a feast. And then comes the battle for control of our lives. Brothers and sisters, that's the tension. It's amazing how our eyes get us in so much trouble. We call it window shopping. You know, if you, if, you got a, if you got a little wife at home, brothers, I'm talking to you now, if you got a little wife at home, you know, it may be all right for you to um, look into the window at the donut shop. But you go home for your cookie. Somebody in here I'm talking to because these eyes will get you. And you have to understand that the snake is out there trying to make you want the donut. People don't hardly wear clothes no more. I'm talking to somebody in here because it will destroy your home, and it starts with a nibble of the eyes. You need to understand that when it comes to talking snakes, if you don't control your mind, the snake will control your life. Now, the biggest hurdle that we have to get over is that the snake knows who we used to be. The snake knows what our old appetites are. So if you're sitting and watching the ball game and, and, and you see the, you see the, 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 the a picture of, you know, the cold beer and it's snow and, you know, it's hot in Texas and they're saying, come to the mountain, come to the mountain. Well, see, you used to regularly go to the mountain. But you came on down to the valley, and that's where you are now. So you may have to cut that thing off. You have to understand you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Listen to this. According to the prince of the powers of the air, the devil used to run you So, what's the deal? It's a mind thing. It's it's a mind thing. And I'm telling you that if you can take charge of your mind, you can take charge of your life. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Put a pin in that. Okay, I got to drink a little water because we're getting ready to do a little thump in here. Okay, just put my coat down, Brothers. Yeah, it's I, I feel like I'm getting a little hot and uh, might have to preach up here. so, so, so let's. Let's figure this out. Okay, so first observation is this the Apostle Paul is writing to believers at Ephesus, but it is believed not just Ephesus that he wrote this letter for the benefit of all of the churches that were in Asia Minor. And he gives them two basic commands. Now, what you need to know about the Ephesian letter is that it went out with three other letters. They're called the prison epistles. So, Philippians is a part of that, Philemon, Colossians. They're all four letters. They probably went out in the same mailbag. They were written during the two years that Paul was in a prison in Rome. Okay, so command number one, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So, what you need to understand is this is in the passive voice. That's not obvious when you read it. It says, be strong, which suggests you can do something to be strong. But this is in the passive voice, which means it prohibits self-effort. You cannot be strong on your own. So, pastor, what does the passive voice look like? When you find politicians who are trying to escape responsibility for what they have done, they they don't say, I made a mistake, active voice. They say mistakes were made. That is the passive voice. There is nobody to blame if mistakes were made, but if I made the mistake, that's the active voice. So Paul is writing in the passive voice, and he says that you need to be strengthened. And this is, this is very convenient. You know, know, it's amazing how the Lord does this. This is what Paul is saying. You need to be wrapped in strength. You don't have any of your own. And so he's saying, be clothed in the strength that belongs to you to the Lord. Okay, so now that's, that's to break up all the egg-sucking now, because there are people who think they can go this alone, and the, the talking snakes will tell you otherwise. So first command, be strong. That's wrong. Okay, so second, the, the, the um, second command, the, okay. okay, so be strong in the Lord, and it also implies you don't have the strength that you need to do this. Okay, command number two, put on the full armor of God. Okay, but you need to understand in this sentence, the emphasis is not on of God. Why is that? Because the only armor that works is God's. And so, you don't have to say, put on the full armor of God. Just put on the armor. The only kind there is, is God's armor, and then you'll be all set. Anything else and you're fighting naked. If you don't put on the full armor of God, you are going, you are taking a knife to a gunfight. You Texans, y'all ought to appreciate that. He says, In other words, we need to be strapped. Am I speaking to somebody? It's not legal for you to be strapped in here, so I hope you check your stuff uh, at the door. Okay, so the second observation, Paul not only gives two commands, but he gives two reasons for those commands. Two reasons. First reason, so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Remember, I told you to underline that word so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay. Now, let me paraphrase this. We need to be strong and put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay. So uh, uh, let's break it down. Okay. And, and so our, our, our executive pastor would say at this point here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. So. So, so I'm going to say, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay? You have to understand this word schemes. Okay, the word schemes in the Greek is methodeia. And if you're looking in the King James, if you have a King James Bible, it says wiles. And so he's saying, watch out for the wiles of the devil. It's, the, it's where we are, we get our English word method and it means deceitful and crafty. Okay? So are we still together? Yes, How many of you remember a fellow by the name of Wiley Coyote? Wiley. Wiley Coyote. In, a, in each episode, the cunning Devious and constantly hungry coyote repeatedly tried to catch and eat the roadrunner. But he almost never got the roadrunner because the road ru- roadrunner knew that the coyote wanted to eat him and he was constantly aware of his schemes. And so, the, the coyote would get so close. He'd be almost right there. And as he reached for the uh, roadrunner, he'd say, "Meep meep," and he's gone. Y'all need to learn that those that word meep meep. That that's the sign of your leaving when the snake shows up. Meep meep. I sure wish I had a praying church up in here. The reason two for this command is that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, the deck is stacked. The fight is fixed. You are in over your head unless you take some Jesus with you. See, see Satan wants to throw you down, put his foot on your neck, and hold you down, and you're just walking right into it. He does not work alone. He is powerful, but he's not all-powerful. Did you know that Satan can't be everywhere at the same time? But he's got boys. He's sitting right up in here right now. Okay, I'm not going to point you out. I see you. (laughs) I'm I'm lying. Okay, but Satan has other allies that are not the, even the beings that he created. So there are three things that are working against us as believers. The world, yes. the flesh, yes. and the devil. So if, if the devil don't get you, he, slicks, he, he sticks the world in and the flesh. You know flesh. Yes. I'm not talking about meat. I'm talking about everything that is about you that is not of Jesus. And so Paul said, in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. He says, I want to do what's right. I want to please you, but every time I would do it, it seemed that Satan, that talking snake, always shows up. He, he, he says to the kids, don't do your homework now. Do it later, and then it gets to be 10 o'clock, and your eyes are starting to close, and you're ready to go to sleep, and you got homework, so you gotta get up at six o'clock in the morning to get your homework. You better watch out for talking snakes. So, the first conclusion I wanna draw is this. We are at war with powerful spiritual forces, and they are using strategies that are designed to take us down. And unless we are clothed in God's armor and empowered by God's strength, we will not be able to stand. So this is my first point. If you're going to deal with a talking snake, you must understand his tactics. Deception. What he wants to do is to trick you. He wants to convince you that something that is not good is good. Can't you you hear the conversation that he's having in the garden with Eve? What's up, mama? You sure looking good today. So he immediately takes her mind off of what her business ought to be and sees primping. And then she said, he, the snake said, did God really say? So he starts raising these questions in her mind. See, because this was the devil's logic. And this is the logic that gets our children today. The first, his first premise is this, that rules are bad. So Satan tries to convince our children, that parents who put in rules, those rules are bad. And then he slips in the knife. He says, God's plan for your life has rules. And then he takes you down. He says, God's plan is bad. And so you head off in your own direction. And all he starts out with is rules, rules are bad. And many of us agree with him. We don't, we don't like to obey rules. We don't want to pay our taxes. We want to collect the check. You know, it's a, you know, one of the things I wish, I wish there was a way on um, like February 1st, when you get ready to do your uh, income tax, Almost everybody wishes they had given more to the church then. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody in here? Oh, I wish I had wish gone ahead and gave that extra hundred. See, and then what we could do is if, if, we could let, if we could talk the government into letting us let the tax year end on February 2nd, then we could get that extra money. Because everybody would be giving because they want the taxes. Not not all of y'all. I'm not, not talking to everybody. If you want to, if you're going to deal with a talking snake, understand his tactics. Okay. So now we're gonna have to. Di- we only have 12 minutes. We're gonna have to dive a little deeper. So if you if you need to, take a couple of of uh, toothpicks and prop them under your lids. You know those of you who are starting to waver. You know when is Pastor Smith going to get to the point? Well, he's, he's headed there, but, but the way that you teach scripture is precept upon precept Amen. and line upon line. Amen. So i want to call your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his, there's the word again, schemes, schemes. But this time, it's a different word. Before, he used methodeia. Here, he is using noema. And you have to understand that noema means well thought out. It means devices. And then in 2 Corinthians 3.14 He translates the same. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3.14, because you need to see this. 2 Corinthians 3.14. Okay, so he says, in 3.14, he says, But their minds were hardened, for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. You see that word, minds? That is the same word, noema. So he's talking about Satan's tactics. He's talking about his schemes. And now we have a new word, noema. And so, what can we conclude? Satan has a time-tested, well-thought-out strategy, and his primary target is our mind. Yeah. He wants our mind. Now, can you make that any clearer, Pastor? Yes, I can. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the God of this world has blinded the what? The minds of the unbelieving. Yeah. That's, that's Satan does not want you in heaven, and what he's doing is he's blinding your mind so that you will not hear and receive the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And the word that he uses for mind is noema. And so this brings me to my second point. If you're going to deal with a talking snake, you must understand his target. Satan, Satan doesn't care what you do with your hands. He doesn't care where you, where you go. What Satan cares about is what you're gonna do when you get there. And that he, is, he plants that in your mind. Do we got any 60s, 70s, you know, player wannabes? You, you remember that era? You know, and we, when we used to talk about, you know, trying to go out and, and be successful to find a girlfriend, what, we always talked about what? Messing up her mind. <laughs> Y'all didn't know that. That, 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 was, that was what we were, trying, we were trying to get inside your head. That's all Satan is trying to do, and he especially targets our young people. He wants you to think that the rules are there, but they don't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. I told you about the, the, the baseball player, baseball player, uh, major league baseball player. He was a power hitter, and, he, every, and every inning, when he, he would go up to bat four times First time he went up to bat, you'd see him. I used to think he was just, you know, doing something with his feet. You'd see him just scratching. And I just never figured out what he was doing until later I found out that he was scratching out the line at the back of the batter's box. Because if he could scratch out the line, and if you see an umpire, a smart one, he will take a bat and he will come back and he will redraw the line. Because this guy's facing a 95 mile an hour fastball. And if he could even just get one, three or four inches further back, that gives him another half second to see the ball. He rubs out the lines. You have friends, young people, who are trying to get you to rub out the lines. There are are people dating out here and all they want to get you to do is rub out the It's really okay. I, I find that people who get engaged, well, they say, we engaged now. You ain't married. I'm sorry. I just, I had to holler that. So. <laughs> Beware the talking snake trying to rub out the line. That's what he did in the garden. I'm almost done here. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3, we find the solution. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What is he saying? He says, We are human, but we are at war with spirits. Our weapons, though, are divinely powerful and they're capable of destroying fortresses. What, what, what is what is, Satan, what is the talking snake trying to do? He's trying to build a fortress around our minds. So the word of God can't get in. And so, so, so he, he will tell you in building this fortress, well, the pandemic is too bad you ought not to go to church, but your response is, beep, beep, I'm out of here. When, if, if Satan tries to engage you in a conversation, you need to learn, meet, meep, I'm out of here. And, he's, and, and then Paul goes on, he says, we're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive. How are we doing this? With programs in our church like Awana. Satan's target is our young people. So what does Awana do? Awana builds the moral warehouse of our children by putting in, the the kids think that they're, they're just memorizing scripture, The kids just think that they're going through and and getting a check in their book. But what's happening is that they are getting ready to take every thought captive. Because when some talking snake tells them that this is the way it is, they can say, But God says. Y'all better pray with me here because he's there. He's there. Don't you understand? The Midianites are still in the land. Do, do, do you remember what happened when, 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 when uh, Gideon was, was hiding from, from the Midianites? And, and the problem is that every time that they would raise up a generation of kids, every time that they would get those kids ready to go to college, that, that's when the talking snakes want your kids right when they get ready to take that step into college. Because see, in college, they don't call, they don't remind you to do your homework anymore. They don't remind you to do what you're supposed to do. They call you Mr. Jones or Mr. Smith or Mr. Brown, and they expect you to do it yourself. But you are there. You are the first time you've ever been away from home. Nobody's going to tell you what time to go to bed. Nobody's going to tell you what time to get up. And so you just sleeping. What you need to understand is if nothing else, you need to be able to draw on what God has given you through your parents. The shield of faith God gives us for extinguishing the missiles, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and most of all, prayer. So, my final lesson is this if you're going to deal with a talking snake, you need the right weapons. You've heard me quote this before. I am going to quote it for you again. Brothers and sisters, it's a mind thing. It begins in the mind. If you sow a thought, you reap an act. If you sow an act, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. And if you sow a character, you reap a destiny. So what does this tell you? That your destiny is dependent on how you protect your thought life. What you watch on television, what you listen to um, uh, music, what, you, uh, what chat rooms you're in, what social media, they're all trying to sell you on the things of the world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you have to take every thought captive and I've got good news for you your mind is a sacred enclosure your mind is locked down to all external forces and nothing can get in unless you let it in the scripture says resist and he will flee from you He goes around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. But you need to understand that he's already been defeated. He's already got his place in hell. He's already on a leash. And maybe you can smell his foul breath. Maybe he's putting his chompers right in your face. But God is able to grab that leash. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and he will direct your path. Talking snakes, you can deal with them if you understand their tactics, you understand their target and you're equipped with the right tools.
0: We had an awesome time in the Lord and we pray that you did as well and want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, we hope to see you then. Be blessed.